It's Monday, January 17th, in case you forgot what day it is. My kids have the day off school for MLK Day, so you'll hear the, the thunderous stomping coming through the mic, most likely. There's no stopping it. There's nothing you can do. MLK, that's, uh, boy... He's he's pretty out of fashion these days, isn't he? If he were alive today, they'd be calling him a white supremacist. White people would, I mean, primarily. All this judge people on the content of their character nonsense. Urgh. Racist. White supremacy. Anyway. It's very cold here in Wisconsin. That's what happens this time of year, and I've got a beef stew on the stove. My daughter helped me prep this morning. Having somebody to help you prep is big, so kids were home from school. I said, all right, you're going to brown the meat while I chop the vegetables. worked out pretty good. So that's in the slow cooker. Got some work done. Now it's time to talk to you. About what? I'm not sure. I did read something that I thought was interesting, if I can find it. Here it is. Gallup. Gallup website. Gallup poll. Listen to this. In 2021, people were asked in polls about their party identification, political party. A lot of people want to believe, and it's easy to believe if if you spend all your time on the internet and you know watching the what are now no longer entertainment talk shows, you know the late night shows. They're all political now. If all you do is is look at the internet and watch those kind of shows and watch cable news, it's hard to believe that there are a significant number of swing voters in the country, but there are, and this poll shows it. So at the beginning of the first quarter of last year, U.S. party identification and leaning. Remember, this is a couple months, not even a couple months after the last presidential election. These are telephone surveys conducted by Gallup. And the whole thing is kind of explained right there on the website. So this is over 12,000 randomly sampled U.S. adults. Do they, and they were asked if they identify politically as a Republican, a Democrat, or an Independent, and whether they lean more towards the Republican or Democratic Party. So first quarter 21... 50% Democrat or leaning Democrat, 40% Republican or leaning Republicans. Okay. It's actually 49 to 40. I was looking at the wrong number there. So 49 to 40. Second quarter, 49 again for, for Democrat, but 43 for Republican. So some of those people who were who are more in the independent 
uh, line of thinking started leaning Republican. Now look at this. Third quarter, you can't look at it. Listen to this. Third quarter, the Democrats lose four points. Republicans gain another. Fourth quarter now, we've almost flipped. Republicans are now up to 47. Democrats are down to 42. So that's a, that's a seven-point swing in each direction. Seven points up for Republicans, seven points down for Democrats. Why is this? It can only be, in my opinion, the pandemic. Because what other major political issues have there been? I mean, you could point to some extent, I suppose, to the, the fights, the school board fights and the stuff about critical theory. But I tend to think that most people have probably made up their minds already about this. Um, yes, Biden, I think, has made some tactical errors in that regard and has probably lost some people, but I don't think it accounts for that big a swing. The Afghanistan thing was a debacle. Again, I don't think it accounts for that big of a swing. I think the election, the last presidential election in 2020, was a referendum on Trump's handling of the pandemic. And he failed miserably, and that's why he lost. Now, he's apparently still out there saying it's unbelievable that Biden got the insane number of votes he did, considering how unpopular he's been his whole career. I don't think it's insane at all. I think it's completely understandable. I didn't vote for Biden. I didn't vote for Trump either. But, uh, but I, if you think Trump, which I think a lot of people did, handled the pandemic really badly, then almost anybody's going to be a preferable alternative. If you want to get a guy out of office, you're going to vote for his opponent. And I think a lot of people wanted Trump gone. I, I, he dropped the ball badly. But here's the problem. If you go and you vote for somebody because you want to get the other guy out because he's handling it so badly, and then the new guy comes in and handles it just as badly, albeit in different ways, then that guy's going to become really unpopular as well. And I think Biden was, was put out there as the guy who's going to be the adult in the room, and he's been nothing of the sort. From my perspective, I don't know what's going on. Do you? I have no idea what the plan is long term. Apparently, the variants are going to keep coming, and we're going to stay masked up forever. That's as far as I can tell. And we're going to get really angry at the people who refuse to get vaccinated as though we couldn't have all seen that coming. I mean, we knew the second there was a possibility of a vaccine, the second thing you think, the first thing you think is awesome vaccine. The second thing you think is a bunch of people aren't going to get it. And that's just the way it is. Some people don't want to get it. Some people can't get it, but a lot of people just don't want to get it. So to act as though the problem is only a problem because people aren't getting vaccinated, to me, 
best case scenario, that shows an unbelievable naivete and, and total lack of foresight. <clears throat> Excuse me, had to get rid of that frog. So I, I personally have no idea what's going on and what the plan is. And I think that uh, the job of the president, more than anything, is to be the adult in the room and to give people, and it's elected people, you know, at least in executives, governors, presidents, um, maybe not so much uh, with legislators, but you're supposed to give the idea that your administration is in charge, that your administration knows what they're doing and has a plan. That's a, that's a big part of it. We have a plan. Here is our plan. Here's where we're at. Here's where we're going to end up. And here is how we're going to get there. I've seen nothing of the sort from Biden. If he's got one, he's not good at getting it out there. Because I'm not hearing anything that points to an end game at all. And as I've said many times, very much in favor of flattening the curve. You just feel like you're 90 when you say that now, flattening the curve. What the hell does that mean? People just completely forgot about it. So I was very much in favor of it. Had no problem whatsoever masking up. Uh, encouraged people, in fact, to mask up. Uh, my entire family is vaccinated, and my wife and I have gotten the booster. So I am not anti-vax. I am not anti-mask. I'm anti... There's no end in sight, I guess. I'm anti... Every time there's a new variant, even if it's relatively harmless, like the recent one, we're going we're gonna to lock everything down. And it's not just because it personally inconveniences me. I've been fortunate enough. I can't work uh, in terms of getting out there and playing gigs. And I'll explain a little bit more of that in a minute. But, uh, but, there, but I've thankfully got other sources of income. And, uh, but the problem is lots of people I know don't. And at some point, something's got to give. I mean, people, I think, sort of take the attitude that, well, people are out there playing gigs. So that therefore means that everybody can. But look at who's doing it. Look at, first of all, look at all the cancellations there have been. And I mean like big name bands. Because uh, the restrictions change or because a bunch of people get COVID and they, and they decide to shut it down, like people in the band. And um, so festivals have been canceled. I mean, KISS canceled their Vegas residency, for God's sake. Um, I mean, if there's anywhere in the world, I would think that people go to engage in risky behavior, it would be Vegas, but they shut that down. Uh, it seems that every day I'm hearing about something that is canceled. So I talked to my agent about it. I said, what? I have no idea what's going on. 
we've got a new album coming out this year. We'd like to do some shows to support it. The guys are itching to get out and play. I'm proud of the new record. I'd like to get out there and get the word out. Uh, and his response was, look, I don't ever want to tell a band not to play, but here is the reality. And he proceeds to lay out this scenario by which basically we'd be taking a huge risk. And I think if you're, if you're out on a month long tour and you have a cancellation or two or three or four, that's going to screw you up a little bit, but it's not going to torpedo the whole thing. But if you, if you do what we do and you go for like a three day run and your overhead is through the roof because you're flying guys in from different States and so forth, um, then you, you have one cancellation. You're absolutely screwed. I mean, it completely screws up everything financially. And probably the best you can hope for is to break even. More likely than not, you're going to lose money. And I can't, I can't afford to lose money right now. So it's funny, though, because he said, you know, you talk to bands, you talk to promoters, you talk to other agents, you talk to managers of bands, and they, they're all like, no, it's great. Everything's fine, man. We're pretty much back to normal. And he says, that, then you ask him one or two more questions, and it's like they're going to break down and cry. Everybody's kind of putting up this front like, oh, no, it's okay. But it's, it's not okay. It's become a nightmare. And apparently, you know, one of the big issues is that when a new variant comes along, ticket sales immediately stall. And, uh, and I don't think that's just, you know, music fans being scared. I think, I mean, it is, but I don't think they're scared of getting the virus. I think they're scared of, do I really want to spend money on this ticket and then have to go through all this, the jump through all the hoops I have to jump through in order to get my money back if it gets canceled? Because I have no idea what my county is going to do or what my city is going to do or what my state is going to do. And so... And it's not just, you know, I've talked to people, friends in the film industry as well. And if you're shooting a smaller film, which is probably most of them that are being made, um, you could get shut down for a day, you know, day, two days. That's going to completely, and I don't think people understand. When you're on a smaller level, if you lose a day, you're completely screwed if it's somebody of, you know, if it's somebody in a film who's in every scene or most every scene, you know, you can, you can come up with contingencies, but there are some things that you can't come up with contingencies for, right? Like I can go out and say, well, if, if my guitarist gets, you know, test positive, then I can, you know, I can maybe have somebody on standby, but what if I do, what are you going to do? Replace me? I'm irreplaceable. What are you going to do? Send out like Tony Martin or, uh, I don't know. I can't think of anybody else who's kind of the guy from Judas Priest, Ripper Owens. You're going to send out somebody from like a Screeching Weasel cover band. You can't do it. 
So the problem is it's not just an issue of cancellations, which is bad enough. It's not just an issue of dealing with what if somebody gets COVID and what, what is your responsibility, right? Personally, I don't care. If one of my guys gets COVID and I'm out on the road with them, I, it's like I've probably already got it. I'm not going to worry too much about it. But do you have certain responsibilities for your audience and for the and for the people who work in the venue? I mean, I think that whether you agree with the, you know, different assessments of the severity or the lack thereof, you still, I think, have an ethical responsibility to say, hey, this is our situation. And because this is your house, not ours, we are going to follow your protocols. We're not just going to kind of make up our own rules. I mean, that's just, I think, a you know, basic decency and having respect for the people you're working with. Because you're not just working with your crew. When you go into a venue, you're working with the local crew. You're working with the stage manager. You're working with the promoter. You're working with all the people who work at the venue. And you have certain responsibilities to them. So in the same way that I think, you know, it's good form, basically, to walk into a venue with the attitude that you're going to be polite and respectful to uh, to everyone you work with that day, from the promoter down to the person who sweeps the floor, uh, I think you also then have a responsibility, even if you don't really care that much, to say, hey, one of my guys has COVID, you know, rather than bring them in and put people in a situation that they don't want to be in and that they um, have a right to say that they don't want to be in. So, um, So there's that issue. But the really big one, frankly, is this one of reductions. So once upon a time, that word didn't exist, or at least I never heard it in the context of performing. Guarantee meant what it said, right? Like if you looked up the word guarantee in the dictionary, that's what it was supposed to mean, in theory anyway. Of course, you know, in the earlier days, guarantee meant we'll pay you the guarantee if we can. There was no guarantee. But, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, three years ago, if you had a guarantee, you would get the guarantee. Pretty much. But there were, it was probably about 10 years ago that I started to hear this word reduction. And, uh, and reduction is just the same thing that the kid promoters used to do. They'd make a guarantee and then you'd show up and, and you know, they didn't sell enough tickets. So they'd say, oh, well, I can't pay you the guarantee. The difference is now they, instead of telling you, well, I can't pay it, they say, well, can we have a reduction? And generally speaking, it's my opinion that most of these venues, which almost all of them, these days are owned either by Live Nation or AEG. And they've they've gone in and bought up an awful lot of these venues. And that is obviously a nationwide network. And um and so there are times when in a little bit of a smaller market, they're gonna take a loss. They know they're going to take a loss going in, 
but they do it because they're going to make it up on that tour. So if a band's on tour and they've got, you know, 30 dates, like 28 of them are at Live Nation venues, then Live Nation's not going to sweat it if the Minneapolis gig loses a few thousand dollars because the other gigs are going to make up for it. So it's a different mentality. And so my attitude is, generally speaking, that they don't need a reduction. Like, they're, this is a big company that's making money all across the board. They don't need it. But the rules seem to have changed in pandemic times. And I get it. Because if a variant comes along that causes essentially a pause or even a full stop permanently in ticket sales, then that's a nationwide issue, typically. And the other issue is that the biggest markets also tend to be the markets where restrictions tend to be the more severe. So, you know, Chicago, New York, L.A., you're going to have more likely than not pretty severe restrictions compared to some of the smaller markets. So uh, as a rule, I mean, there's obviously, you know, Madison, where I live, very small market, and it's very restrictive. And, uh, and so there are exceptions, but as a rule. So I, the problem is, on the one hand, you, if you end up in that position, you don't want to not give the reduction because now you can kind of see the point and you don't want to end up in a situation where you're saying, no, I'm not going to give you a reduction. And then that, that's in the system now. So if you don't give the guy in, you know, whatever, Houston, a reduction, that affects everything else you're doing around the nation. That isn't just Houston. That's their whole nationwide system. So you don't want to do that because you don't want to be, you know, you don't want the asterisk next to your name. You don't want to be uncooperative. It's like when, uh, who is it, Elaine from Seinfeld goes to the doctor and, or somebody goes to the doctor and is, uh, is marked down as being difficult. I think it's Elaine, and she does everything she can to get off that, to get into her files and get rid of that notation that she's difficult. And it's kind of like that. You don't want to be, you don't want to be that band because it's going to affect everything that happens down the road. On the other hand, you take a reduction and now you're working for free. So, like, okay, they didn't lose money or they didn't lose very much, but you did. So this is a long way of saying I don't really know what to do. And my agent's advice was wait six months. Let's see how things go. But, and that was his advice last year too, and nothing ever materialized. And I know I know there are plenty of bands out there doing it, but I'm telling you, I don't think my agent is making this up. Okay. He's a smart guy and he talks to a lot of people and he, 
is very good at figuring out solutions to problems. And this is the first time in 10 or 11 years that he has ever come to me and said, I don't have a solution for this. You know, usually he'll come to me and he'll say, look, this may work, it may not work, but here's, here's a plan, right? And then I can go, well, I don't want to take the risk or I'll say, what the hell, let's try it. If it doesn't work out, I'm not going to blame you. But, you know, he's, he's honest with me. I mean, he'll, he'll tell me straight up like, hey, I want to try this. I'm not sure it'll work. So it's your call. This is the first time, though, he's ever come to me and said, I don't, I don't have a solution. The solution is sit and wait because he knows that I can't afford it. You know, like I look at my pal Joe and the queers. Joe goes out on tours, you know, so if he has if something happens and he misses a gig here or there, it's it's not good, but it's not going to sink him either. You know, if he gets a cancellation here or there, or has to take a reduction here or there. But when you're going and you're doing it the way we do it, and the overhead is so high, something like that can have pretty um, a pretty drastic effect. So, um, and this is all to say that I think it's not just the entertainment industry, obviously, but I think your whole mentality changes when you say, okay, here are a series of benchmarks. And we were doing this early in the pandemic, by the way. Here are a series of benchmarks that we need to reach in order for certain things to happen, in order for things to open up. Now, you remember, we certainly had it in Dane County, and you probably had it where you live as well. If you reached these benchmarks, then certain restrictions were going to go away in terms of... uh, the limits on public gatherings and masking and the mandates uh, surrounding masking and so forth. And those seem to have gone away completely. We don't have those benchmarks. Or if we do, I would say, I don't think public officials are doing a very good job of getting them out there. But psychologically, there's a big, big difference. When you have a series of benchmarks, you say, okay, if we meet these benchmarks, then, um, then we can kind of go back to life as normal. But everything I'm reading is saying that there is no end in sight in terms of the variance. And if that's the case, then we have to decide as a, as a nation what the end is going to be for us in terms of our restrictions. Because to keep this going indefinitely is going to destroy people as many people as would be destroyed if the, if the uh, virus were uh, running through the nation like wildfire, in my opinion. This has is, this is taken on a life of its own. It's become so different from what it was in the beginning. And I mean, in terms of our reaction to it and our approach to dealing with it. So, I, you know, like I said, I'm not anti-vax. I'm fully vaxxed and boosted. I'm not anti-mask. In fact, I kind of love the mask, at least in the sense that it distances me from people. And, and, uh, and I think I said last time I haven't had a cold since before the pandemic started. So I'm not really opposed to it. What I'm opposed to is this, this 
kind of this is normal life now attitude. It can't be. Not for this. It can't be. We've, we've got to do better. And I think that accounts for that switch in party loyalty. It's not that the Republicans have all kinds of great ideas. They don't. They're not offering any ideas either that are, that are reasonable anyway. So it's very much, you know, Biden had nothing like a mandate. Biden got all those votes because he wasn't Trump. And in the same way, this, this shift from Democrat to Republican is not because the Republicans have terrific ideas and people are embracing them. It's a rejection of Democrats. And it's a lesson that, especially in modern times, seems very, very hard for both parties to learn. They want to say when they see a surge like that, oh, we've got a mandate. People are embracing our ideas. It's hard for them to admit what is the case, I think, most of the time, which is we're just, we're just not the other guy. We're the lesser of two evils in people's minds. And if you can do that, if you can take that attitude and govern accordingly, you can probably have some success. But, but the problem occurs when you don't, you, you confuse being the lesser of two evils in most people's minds with having a mandate. Well, that's how I see it anyway. And I may be totally wrong. And if you think I'm wrong, feel free to comment and uh, tell me the way you view it. In any case, I've enjoyed my time with you. As always, I will be with you again next week. Until then, have a wonderful week. And please remember, I love you all very much. So long.